Welcome to Digital Marketing Happy Hour, a podcast about marketing, technology, and life. This is episode 41, the Super Bowl. Who's advertising, who's not, and why it matters. And it starts right now. Digital Marketing Happy Hour is brought to you by Araxum, your resource for marketing and technology. For more information, go to araxum.com. That's A-R-A-X-A-M.com. So we are back for the happy hour, and what happy hour is complete without a few beverages? Ryan, what are you drinking this week? Yeah, for this happy hour, I have a uh, a red wine in that kind of mood, a, a Cabernet. It's a Franciscan. It's not like the most fanciest wine that's out there, but it is uh, kind of uh, my normal kind of go-to red wine. What about you, Chris? So I found in the back of the refrigerator a Harvester, which is from Green Man Brewery out of Asheville, North Carolina, one of my favorite. And uh, it is a Harvest Ale, so it's, you know, kind of closer to an Oktoberfest, uh, but it's still good. So that's what I'm drinking this week. Awesome. Well, we have our beverages in hand, so let's get started. He's Chris Casale. I'm Ryan Smith. Thank you for joining us for this week on Digital Marketing Happy Hour. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're a repeat listener, thank you so much for listening. And if you continue to find value, maybe laugh a little bit of this podcast, would you please kindly leave us a review and uh, hopefully a five-star rating, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Audible, or wherever platform you listen to this podcast on. So in this episode, we're discussing the Super Bowl, but we're looking at it from a marketing perspective. We're not even going to mention how Tom Brady is going to bring the Bucks back to the promised land. Normally, the Super Bowl is the biggest advertising event of the year, and this year, 30-second ad spots are going for $5.5 million dollars. However, it's been a slightly different year. How is this year shaping up and why does it look so differently? Who's in, who's out, and really, why is it important? Why should you care? Before we talk about the who's in and who's out, I think it's important to highlight why this year's Super Bowl is so different. Right now, it's early February, and they just announced that the Super Bowl spots were sold out. Now, that in and of itself is super relevant because last year, Spots sold out around Thanksgiving, so right around the end of November for an event that occurs end of January, early February, right? So right away, the ad spots took much, much longer to sell. Normally, it's the largest advertising event of the year, but this year, there's a lot of anxiety around it, and a lot of companies are choosing to either play it safe or not play at all, and that's making some room for newcomers. So a couple quotes here. This one is from Bill Oberlander, who is the co-founder and executive creative of ad agency Oberland. He says, there is trepidation around Super Bowl advertising this year. For the Super Bowl, you generally go big or go home, and he thinks brands are going home rather than spending tens of millions of dollars and not getting it right. They're basically saying, let's wait until the storm clears. And then another quote I've got here is from Rob Schwartz, who is the chief executive officer of the ad agency TBWA. Uh, And basically, he says, every client conversation I've had these days is about who's going to be offended by this ad. 
there's a lot of discussion about risk mitigation. What that tends to do is that it makes things very bland and not effective, or it forces you to look at universal topics like hope or humor. And Ryan, I think these are important because they're kind of putting a damper on things. You know, usually Super Bowl spots focus on humor. Eventually, we'll talk about some of the big ad spots from, from previous years, but the ones you remember are the ones that, that really touched an emotion with you, and most of the time, brands are using humor, but it kind of feels like it's hard to be funny this year. I think there's a, a definite sensitivity that you have to be careful of. So when we're talking about a quote you know, from the past that you just mentioned, a lot of them already walk a fine line in their Super Bowl commercials. So with that being said, do you want to do that this year? I think most companies still would be okay doing it. I think at $5.5 million for just the spot. And when you think about it, that's not the production cost. That's not shooting the commercial. Here's the other part. It's a lot tougher to get production going, depending on where you're at. If you're producing in uh, commercials in Los Angeles, or you're producing them in New York, let's just say the two biggest cities in USA, they've had lockdowns throughout the year. They've had real issues with that. So there's also an additional obstacle just to create the commercials. So I think when we start adding up all of this, are we gonna be insensitive? Maybe we're trying to be funny, but we're not, and it comes across insensitive. We tanked this year in our revenue compared to other years. Can we actually afford that commercial spot and the production that goes into it, we have crew, we have to make sure that they're safe. So I think when you line all this up, at the end of the day, a lot of these saying it's not worth the risk. Yeah, I think that's true. And you're right. Production costs, I mean, 30 second ad spots are going for 30 seconds. Some companies might work with that, but some might look for, you know, a full 60 second spot. So right there, you've driven your costs up to 11 million. And the production for these is very, very high. When you're talking about renting studio space and you're talking about all the effects that go into it, it's a lot of money put into it. And if you've only got 30 seconds during the most televised event of the year, you have to make an impact in the tiny little window that you have allotted to you. And one of the easiest ways to do that, as we've mentioned, is through humor, right? If you can make people laugh and make them remember the commercial, make them remember the brand name, that's your goal because hopefully it will inspire some sort of action when it comes to your brand. But this year, to your point, if you don't get the sensitivities around this right and you miss, you're going to do more harm than good. And so the risk mitigation to me is real interesting here because I think you're going to have some brands, and we'll talk about this in just a minute here, some brands have pulled out altogether, right? They said, you know what, we're not going to run a spot, or some of them are donating the money to COVID relief, which is fantastic. Others are probably going to run sort of very generic commercials, or maybe, you know, maybe commercials that talk about some of the good. We've had a lot of companies in recent years talk about uh, social currency or the things that their businesses are doing that sort of benefit humankind. But the other thing that makes this really interesting, really fascinating to me is because some of the bigger players are sitting it out, over the last 10, 11 months throughout COVID, other businesses have soared, right? Maybe they've taken advantage of the fact that there is an opportunity in front of them. Maybe they sell a product that's you know, super relevant. And so now brands that previously would have been blocked out have opportunities in front of them. And that should be something that everybody's paying attention to because there's a lot of opportunity out there. It comes down to how you leverage it. 
No, it, it, 100% correct. We also see, besides the funny uh, of commercials, sometimes we see some very, it could be emotional commercials. And then we also get into product launches. I uh, know Hyundai over the years of commercials have launched new models and they've done it in very sort of heart tugging ways. They're out, Hyundai is out this year. I think it just goes back to the point that there is a lot of risk and anytime you're doing marketing and advertising, there's a risk reward. But to see these big brands, Hyundai is one of them that pulled out. What's interesting is Budweiser. Now, not some of the offset of Bud brands, especially the Bud Lights and some of their, their new uh, drinks that they're releasing in, in 2021, but they've pulled out. And some of those, when we get into the commercials that really have been the most memorable, some of those brands that we just mentioned that are not participating this year, you'll hear us mention them of some of the great commercials of the past. And when we get into the past, we talk about some of the greatest commercials, which you always find listed number one on just about every list you look at, was back in the 1970s with Pittsburgh Steeler great Mean Joe Green throwing his jersey to the kid. So they have a place, uh, these Super Bowl commercials. And for a lot of these companies, I think they've been worth it. But this year, you just seeing everything get pulled back. So it's going to be different, as was 2020 and in the early part of 2021. Everything is different, at least for the moment. And the Super Bowl is going to be no different than that. Yeah, I saw that Coca-Cola released a statement that basically said the difficult choice was made to ensure we're investing in the right resources during these unprecedented times, which very easy to understand, right? If you've got limited funds, if your revenue has been impacted by the pandemic, you definitely want to make sure that you're investing those resources in the appropriate way. And a Super Bowl ad might not be it. And Coca-Cola, which does a lot of revenue, has made the decision that it wasn't right for them. But they're not the only ones. You mentioned Hyundai, uh, Olay is out. Avocados from Mexico is out. Little Caesars, which almost always runs a spot, is out. And Ford, the auto manufacturer, has pulled out. So these are brands that spend millions of dollars to run these spots. And usually, you know, you, brands like, you know, you mentioned Budweiser, and I know they're going to they're gonna run it for some of their smaller brands or their sub-brands, as it were, but they usually run couple spots every year, usually two or three. So you're talking about tens of millions of dollars invested in just the spot alone. So it's interesting to see which companies have decided to pull out and which ones are going to continue to run. With that said, Ryan, there's a few new players this year. Yeah, it's really interesting. Sometimes it can be a little bit of mixed signals, right? When you're seeing the Coca-Cola's of the world pulling out that we've always seen, the Hyundai pulling out, but then we have a whole new era that's it's like they can't wait to get in. And I always want to stop and think, you know, is it worth the investment? Because at the end of the day, whether you're an entrepreneur, a small to medium sized business or at the enterprise level, you need an ROI. And especially with these advertising dollars you're spending, you definitely have to see something. So new companies this year that we'll see Vroom is one. Mercari is another one. Now, we said Budweiser itself is not a part of it this year, but some of their other beverages are. Brand new Bud Light Seltzer Lemonade. Actually, I, I did get a peek and saw that commercial, and it's actually pretty funny. Chipotle is in this year, which is interesting. So Avocados from Mexico is out. Chipotle is in. And I always stop to think, like, why is it that Chipotle decided this is the year that we're going to enter into uh, the, the Super Bowl commercial. And then lastly, one of the new ones that's in it is Huggies. 
And for this one, I had to stop and think. And it was out of all years, why is Huggies deciding the Super Bowl 55 uh, in 2021? This is the year we're, we're going to go and do a Super Bowl commercial. And then you think about, well, it's been a pandemic. People have been locked down. We're now what, 10 months after it. Okay. I'm sure Huggies has done the research and realized there might be a whole new audience that needs their product. So it is interesting to see, and you don't always understand the mindset of why companies decide to invest in something like this. But we do know when you're talking about sports and the USA specifically, it is by far the most watched event and there's nothing even close to it. Now, worldwide, it definitely doesn't reach the numbers of the World Cup, which dominates. The World Cup gets, I think the last one got about a billion around the world. So the Super Bowl is nowhere near that, but you're talking in the USA, it'll hit, you know, a hundred million. And, and actually in 2021, here's my guess, this might be the most watched Super Bowl by households. And the reason why I say that by households, because that's what they use with a lot of sports bars no longer open. A lot of people who normally would have parties with large groups will be having less. So I think more people will be in their homes, their individual homes, watching the game. Therefore, you're going to have more television sets tuned in. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And if you're going to have that, maybe that is a good investment because you'll actually have more eyeballs on your Super Bowl commercial in 2021 than maybe you would have had in any of the previous Super Bowls. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, I've gone to Super Bowl parties in the past and I've missed some of the commercials because you're, you know, having a drink and you're chatting with other people. But if individuals are home and they're watching from a home TV set, they're probably going to have their eyes glued to the TV a little bit longer. So this might be a much better opportunity. Interesting to see that Huggies is choosing to advertise now. There might be something to be said about the COVID baby boom. Maybe not, but maybe. <laughs> I guess we'll have to see. Time will tell on that one. Another interesting one that I saw was uh, Uber Eats. Uber Eats is running an ad and they are reuniting Wayne's World. They're bringing Mike Myers and Dana Carvey back, which should be very entertaining. So, you know, a lot, a lot of new players in the space this year, sort of taking advantage of the opportunity as some brands are have chosen to go a different direction. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think we would be remiss though, Ryan, if we didn't talk about some of the historical great Super Bowl ads, because if you're going to spend several million dollars on a spot and several million dollars on production costs, you want to get it right. And some brands got it right. And they have ads that are, you know, you remember them for years, if not decades after the ads ran. The first one for me, the obvious one is Budweiser, right? They always seem to do a good job. The Clydesdales almost always make an appearance, but I think of the historical ones and maybe it was just the age I was at when I saw them, but the Budweiser frogs, you know, the Budweiser ad, and then the uh, what's up, you know, commercials, which I remember, you know, being in school the next day and everybody was talking about it. And I felt like Budweiser built on that from years to come. And it did exactly what they were looking for. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe those two campaigns were, I could be wrong, but I think they were back-to-back years. Maybe there might be a year in between, but like you said, Budweiser has always been gold, you know, from the Dalmatian running after, you know, I can't remember if it was a fire truck or or something like that, but it was one of those, it just kind of hit home. So Bud has done a series of commercials, some funny ones, some very touching ones. So it'll be interesting to see how, how this plays out even though they scaled back a little bit, which is interesting, they still have new products to sell, which is the uh, 
their seltzer. And so they're going to take advantage of, of Budweiser. For me, sticking on it, going way back, I remember being little and watching the uh, the Bud Bowls. And they did Bud Bowl 1 and Bud Bowl 2. And they've just been classic with that. So they've always been a mainstay you know, at the Super Bowl. And I think they have some pretty memorable ones. Addition outside of the, the beer world, which is kind of interesting, which takes us back to sort of the uh, titillating was the GoDaddy and Danica Patrick and it's interesting with that, that they're out. And I always wondered how effective in the long run were those GoDaddy ads? They ran several campaigns, several years in a row. And I think they hit an initial uh, traffic. They got a ton of it. But at the end of the day, you know, how much of that actually turned into new customers as opposed to people wanting to see the ending of the commercial? And, and as a, from a business perspective, Chris and I talk about this, especially early on in, in our podcast, brand awareness, obviously it's important, but at the end of the day, if your brand awareness can't translate into actual dollars and cents, was it really worth it? So if you're driving a ton of traffic and you can go back and, and you have the company saying, look at all the impressions we got, look at all this traffic. But at the end of the day, if you could not recover the cost of investing in that Super Bowl, was it really worth it in the long run? And it kind of makes me wonder with GoDaddy, was this a strategic shift? Because maybe they finally someone came in and said, it's not working. We're not getting the actual you know, conversions, meaning sales from those commercials. It's interesting. I actually read an article about the first ad GoDaddy ever ran. And the reason they decided to run a Super Bowl ad was at the time, GoDaddy was one of the largest registrars of domain names on the internet. Right. And this was still in the somewhat early days of Internet in like, you know, the 90s. And they did a focus group to determine, you know, why aren't more people using our services? And the feedback they got was nobody's ever heard of you. Nobody's aware of you. And so that's what gave them the original idea of, oh, well, let's put an ad in the Super Bowl and make sure people know who we are. But I think to your point, I think the ads might have worked originally because, you know, it, it created that awareness that we talk about in marketing. You want you want people to know about your brand. But I think there was diminishing returns on it because after a while, the provocative ads aren't necessarily doing anything to sell the product anymore, which at the end of the day, the goal of marketing is to drive revenue, to drive sales. And so if they're not doing that, how effective are they? Speaking of effective ads, though, to me, one of the most iconic Super Bowl ads of all time was the 1984 Apple Macintosh ad which if you haven't seen it, I would encourage you to Google it. But essentially, it's an ad where people are, you know, dressed all the same. They're marching in conformity. They're watching a TV screen where they're sort of being brainwashed. And, you know, this woman in orange pants comes running in and throws a sledgehammer through the screen. And uh, there's a message that comes up that says, on January 24th, Apple Computer will introduce Macintosh. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984, which is a reference to George Orwell's 1984, which was fantastic. It's, you know, it's still remembered to this day. It did a great job and drove sales for Macintosh computers. So very, very effective, which was great marketing on their part. But Ryan, there have been other ads that have missed the spot. Well, and I look to it, it's strategic that companies that do invest a lot because, you know, while it goes up every year, um, even 20 years ago, Super Bowl spots were relatively super expensive, just like they are now. And I, I go back to a product like Monster.com, which always ran Super Bowl spots. Now they're, they're 
who goes to monster.com if you're looking for a job? I'm sure some people do, but who really does it? It's, it's the Craigslist of job listings, basically, in this day and age. That's what I feel. So you think back, how many tens of millions did you blow on commercials when at the end of the day, you should have reinvested that into your own product because they were the leader at the time for people looking for jobs. And now if, if you ask somebody, you know, go to monster.com, you know, it's like the, the, you know, the MySpace of social media. No, it, it's, it's dead. So it, things like that, you, you do have to waver and say, okay, is it worth doing that? So those are some of the big ones that actually had a ton of spots that no longer are around in the sense of Super Bowl and their product is barely used. So now we talk about $5.5 million for a 30 second spot and companies like we saw, we just mentioned Monster, there's a, a few others. What can you do with that amount of money and reach a lot of people, but not put a commercial out on the Super Bowl? If you're a small to medium sized business, you have no shot at doing that anyway. And I think the big thing is when you put a commercial on for the big game, it's a prey and spray approach. What you could do and spend less money is understand your audience, find a niche, create your video, create a series of videos and put them on YouTube very targeted ads that you can do. You can create quick TikTok videos. You can create Instagram videos. You can take your one 30 second spot and you can segment them out and really cut them down to maybe five second clips, eight second clips, 15 second clips, and put them out on all these different social media channels. But the big thing is you can target with your advertising with that. And if you really want to have this football theme in Google Analytics, it will tell you all the people that are coming to your website who have an affinity for sports, as an example. You can have a list and create a Google Ads campaign and go after an audience of those types of people. That's where you can tie in the big events that's coming for this. It's obviously the Super Bowl. Have some sort of football theme in your commercial. Now, there's trademark issues that you can't mention a lot, especially with those advertising. So you have to be careful about that. And I'm waiting for us to get a, a little letter saying that we have, can't stop using Super Bowl in the podcast. So we'll, we might have to change this to big game later down the road. But the big thing is we you have to be careful of that, but you can have a football and, and tie it in and target your audience that is interested in your product and service and has an affinity for sports and for football itself. So there's a lot of ways that can be much more affordable that you can sort of coexist with the big game. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, it's sort of interesting. I think our generation grew up watching TV, but the younger generation now, that's not necessarily the case, right? They're tied in. Like I knew my youngest kids watch YouTube and Netflix all the time. In fact, there have been times when I've been watching baseball games on TV and my youngest will say, you know, when the commercial comes on, daddy, you're going to fast forward it. And I'm like, I'd love to, buddy, but not an option. Right. And so it's kind of to your point, if they're not watching TV, if the, the, you know, the younger crowd isn't watching it the same way, and maybe Super Bowl will be a little bit different, you know where they are. They're on YouTube, right? They're on social networks. And so by creating a video that you can use in that space, that might end up doing more for you in the long run than a 30 second spot in the Super Bowl would. Another option is, you know, remember your 30 second spot in the Super Bowl lasts just that. It's it's a you know few seconds in time and then it's gone. 
you can leverage influencer marketing for much less than it would cost you to produce an ad for the Super Bowl, right? Working with influence in your space. And, you know, we had some great conversations with Evan Morgenstein and Neil Schaefer regarding experience with influencers. And it doesn't have to be the Kim Kardashians of the world, right? That have millions upon millions of followers. You can find the micro influencers or the nano influencers that have a much smaller audience, but a very dedicated one. And so working with them to advocate for your brand and maybe share some of the videos that you've created or share some of the content that you've created, that can be a much more effective way than the alternative of creating a Super Bowl ad. So I, I think there's a lot of creativity that you can get with this in creating something that's entertaining, I think is big. So you always have to be careful if you're going for the laugh and you don't get it, it actually, I think, can hurt your, your spot as well, but also it might be more memorable. So there's a lot of things I think to think about. So we wanted to talk about the, the game coming up. We also wanted to talk about some of the most memorable commercials, some of those who have are not participating this year, some of the reasons why. And then, of course, if you're a small to medium-sized business, you're an entrepreneur, even if you're an enterprise and you're not going to put that money out, what are some things that you can do to still get your message out there and still sort of coexist as well alongside the, uh, the Super Bowl? Well, that will conclude another episode of Digital Marketing Happy Hour, but no episode is complete without the Keep It Light segment. So what are you binge watching or reading this week? So I got a couple things here. Staying with the Super Bowl theme, I kind of broke the news to you, Chris. Me and my wife are actually going uh, to the Super Bowl on Sunday. So I'm very excited about that. Not only get to see your favorite team play in a Super Bowl, they're the first team to play in their home stadium, which is interesting about this. And because of COVID, it also will be the smallest attended Super Bowl in history of it. So it's just everything is still backwards about that because of limiting the stadium to only 20% full. So really excited about that. Also found out, got an opportunity to go to sort of a Buccaneers officially a pregame party for that, which is right there at One Buck Place uh, a couple of hours before kickoff. So that is the big thing, and it's obviously this topic is a theme, and we are super excited. But outside of that, I just finished watching on Hulu. It's been out for almost a year now, Little Fires Everywhere with uh, Reese Witherspoon and Kelly Washington. It's based off of a novel. It's excellent. It was about eight episodes long, and it really gets into uh, sort of how we judge people on prejudice. And definitely there's a lot of social issues in there. But at the end of the day, no matter how much money people have, what color of your skin is, everybody has issues. And when you try to make things look like these pictures on the wall, when you walk into people's homes and there's just nothing but smiling, you learn that there's always probably issues there that you know sometimes are covering up. And this is a show that breaks into all of that. And you start to find out that the perfect family is not so perfect. And the family that doesn't look like they're very perfect sometimes are actually you know, more perfect or more together than the others. So it was a great episode. If I, I, I would give the whole or a great show, I would give the whole series, if I gave it a grade, I'd probably give it like an A, A minus. Although the finale was a little disappointing. I thought it could have been better. I'd give that maybe like a B minus. But overall, if you haven't seen Little Fires Everywhere, very good. What about you, Chris? Very cool. Sounds interesting. I'm actually watching a Hulu show myself. I'm watching The Handmaid's Tale, which I'm a little late to catch up on this one. It's been around for a while. I just wrapped up this, this season three. I read the novel when I was in college many years ago, and I had heard they were making a show on it, which uh, is starring Elizabeth Moss, who was fantastic in Mad Men and several other shows. And so I finally decided, all right, you know, I'll give it a try and check it out. And 
you know, it's it's dark. It's about a dystopian future. And uh, in, you know, the, the New England area, the northeast of the United States. And so it was kind of interesting. Um, took a little while to get into it. And it's not something you can sort of binge watch. You got to kind of take it one episode at a time. But really, really good. Really gets you thinking. So, uh, yeah, very, very interesting. You know, Handmaid's Tale, too. I'm glad you mentioned that. I think I've, I just started and something else came up and I never finished it. I mean, I'm like one episode in. So I'm one of those people that I am, if you're late, I am super late to the game, but I just have to find a time and I'll probably start watching that again. But uh, no, Hulu's, they, they do. They put out uh, some good stuff. Yeah, everything's getting fractured again, right? Amazon Prime has their original content. Netflix has their original content. Hulu's got theirs now. So I think we're going to see more and more of that. But the reality is there's so much out there. You got to pick and choose what you watch anyway. But there's a lot of good options for sure. Well, you're starting to see a, a little bit of, and maybe this is going to be a whole other podcast, the consolidation is going to happen at some point. And so we have it a little bit with Disney. So Disney Plus packaged up ESPN and Hulu. So you can get a package of that. And I think eventually we're going to start to see that where Amazon Prime and, and their big one to acquire, I can see them maybe buying something else. So we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, can you imagine if Amazon bought Netflix? I mean, how massive would that be? So eventually something like that is going to happen. I don't know when or how, but we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see. But something to keep an eye on. With uh, that's going to go the same way as the cable industry. I think eventually ended up. I can see that. I don't know how many people are aware of this, but Netflix consumes more bandwidth in the world than just about anything on the internet, even porn, which is really telling you something. And all of Netflix servers run on top of Amazon AWS. So to me, it always seemed like it was just a matter of time before Amazon says, "Hey, let's talk." Yeah. You know? It'll be uh, it'll be interesting. I did not know that about uh, Netflix and their uh, their bandwidth. I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but it's still when you hear something like that, it, it takes you back a little bit. Like, wow, do we really stream? And so, if that was a normal year, let's say that that's the case, you have to wonder in 2020 when more people streamed than in in ever in history. Uh, now it's a short history of streaming, but still, it makes you wonder like what's going to happen, you know, next, what the future looks like. We shall see. Well, if there's something we said during this episode that you liked, we want to hear from you. And of course, if you have some ideas you want to you know, shoot our way, we've already heard from you, reach back out to us. One way you can do it is send us an email, podcast at araxam.com. That's podcast at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. We love your feedback. We love topics that you'd like to hear. We do incorporate them throughout, especially if it line, aligns with us and got some feedback from LinkedIn as well. So if you want to reach me on LinkedIn, just do a search for Ryan Smith Marketing. You could always just do a search for Araxum. You'll find Chris and I there. And then on Twitter or Instagram, my handle is Ryan Smith FLA. And the best way to get a hold of me is on LinkedIn. Uh, you can find me under my name, Chris Casale. But as Ryan mentioned, you can also find me under Araxum and of course, Digital Marketing Happy Hour. And if you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Audible, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. We sincerely hope it will enlighten your day. After all, it is our mom's favorite podcast. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Be kind to each other. Thank you for listening to the Digital Marketing Happy Hour. This week's episode is brought to you by Araxum.com, your digital resource for marketing and technology. 
visit Araxam at A-R-A-X-A-M.com. The music intro you heard is called Pure Adrenaline by Eddie off the album Too Damn Loud. You can learn more at CactusSlimRecords.com. The music used for closing credits In My Pocket by Jazzer, you can find it on their album Message. Learn more at BetterWithMusic.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs>